All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, uh, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline or the Central Church app. Uh, Mark chapter 6, that's where we're going today. This is week number four of our, our series called All Aboard. We've got two more weeks in this series, and then we're going to um, move into a series called Habits. But in this series, um, we've been trying to challenge you to understand that the gospel costs you absolutely nothing, but it demands everything, and it really does. It demands that we get on board with God's plans for our lives, and we leave our plans behind. Uh, quick review, in week number one, we talked about how we're not alone in the fire. We said that we have to be and we have to have onboard people in our lives, people who will walk with us. And we talked about how you can't do life alone. And, and we really do need to connect to other people as we're connecting to Jesus. Week number two, we talked about worshiping God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And we talked about how worship is a lifestyle. It's not just, it's not just singing. It's not just coming in here and, and giving 20 minutes of, of praise and worship. Worship is, is every single area of our life. And we need to, we need to begin to model that. Um, as we as we step into the new year, um, last week we talked about what is an area of a life, area of our life where we need God to move, and we we ended the service by asking that question: What is the area in your life where you most need to see God move? And we talked about being all aboard um, with God, with surrendering that area of our life to Jesus. Um, today, today we're going to talk about brokenness, and, and let me set it up like this: Everybody here. Um, you've gone through a season where you would describe yourself as broken or, or you're in a process of being broken. All, like nobody, all, nobody doesn't know what brokenness feels like. I mean, all of us have been there. All of us have been where we would consider to be like the lowest of lows. Now, usually here I'll, I'll tell a story about myself and, and there are plenty of stories um, that I could tell about being at the lowest of the low. And, and here's the thing with that. Every time you're at the lowest of the lows, you come out, there always comes a another time where you think is, is even low because we're, I think we're constantly um, going through this the, a, a, a process of, of brokenness. Um, but this story isn't about me per se, um, but not too long ago, I was talking to a guy about his first day at rehab and, and he was talking about it and he was saying, you know, everything Ryan seemed, seemed normal. They brought me in, they asked me all these questions, um, they asked family history, they asked my medical history, then they took some blood and they had me pee in a cup and, and, and everything was, everything was kind of, was, was just what I expected until they took me in the back and, and they searched my luggage. And he looked at me, he said, yeah, right, your luggage searched. I'm like, well, yeah, like at the airport, like I've had them like come back through customs. Like, said, no, no, no. Have you ever had it searched? Like have they ever taken every single thing out and shook it in front of you and, and just ran their hands through everything that you had? And I was like, no. He's like, it, it was absolutely awful. And I thought that that was like the, the most miserable point of the entire um, orientation or coming in, or I can't remember what he called it, but, but of, of the, the whole intake. And, and then he, he said, it was awful. But then they turned to me and they said, now it's time for the strip search. Now, at that point, I asked a really stupid question. Like, have you ever asked somebody something and as you're asking it, you wish you could like just take the words that were coming out of your mouth and just shove them back down in? And, and I don't know what I was trying to be in that moment. I don't know if I was trying to be pastoral and I was trying to listen to what he was saying and then take it and I was going to turn it and I was going to like just talk. I, I don't, I don't know. But I asked this question. I said, well, was that 
humbling. Now, again, I don't, I don't know where I was going to go with that, but, but that's what I asked. Like, was it, you get a strip search? Was that like humbling? And he looked at me and he said, no, it wasn't humbling. It was humiliating. And then he said this, he said, at that point, I broke. It was the most broken I had ever been in my entire life. And, And I thought, you know what? That's what you would call a season of brokenness. And that word broken has stuck with me ever since that conversation. Because honestly, as I look back over my life, as, as I said, I could tell you story after story of, of brokenness in my life. But I've learned over and over and over again, and I hope this helps somebody here today. But I've learned that oftentimes with, broken, with God, brokenness leads to blessing. It really does. And so if you're in a process of being broken, because I, I believe that's what brokenness is. I believe it's a, it's a process. We're going to talk about that a lot today. If you're in that process of broken, listen, listen, listen. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not even saying that it doesn't suck. I'm saying that brokenness oftentimes leads to blessing. Now, I, I usually don't like messages like this. I like messages, you know, like, Four steps to avoid brokenness. Seven ways that we can run and hide from brokenness. But if you're in the process of being broken, I want you to understand brokenness often leads to blessing. I'll show you where I get this. In Mark chapter 6, there's a miracle that happens in all four Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to look at it today from Mark's point of view. And this is what Mark says in verse 30. The apostles returned... To Jesus from their ministry tour. Now hold up. This wasn't like, like they weren't like a rock band or something. Like they didn't have tour buses and groupies and stuff like that. What this was is that earlier in the chapter, Jesus had commissioned them to go out and tell everybody about the kingdom of heaven. And so they went out two by two and they were telling everybody. And they had tons and tons and tons of success. And so they came back and they were telling Jesus about it. Um, from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves. This is huge. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Which to them, they're thinking, man, that's a great idea. We've been working really hard. You're gonna get, we're gonna get some rest. This is amazing because we've been out. We've been doing all of this stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking us to a place where we can rest. He said this because, watch this. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to, what's that word right there? Eat. Didn't even have time to eat. So they left on a boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Didn't have time to eat. Didn't have time to eat. I don't understand that. Because I always have time to eat. I was talking to a guy the other day. True story. He was eating at 2.30. I said, what are you doing? He said, I forgot to eat lunch. You, what? I forgot to eat lunch. You, what? Uh, listen to me. Honest to God, I've never forgotten to eat a meal in my entire life. I have never forgotten. Right? I just look at, you can look at me and tell, like we know, man. But however, if I'm on the road or, and, and I miss a meal or if I'm at like a sporting event yesterday, I was at, um, I was at a wrestling tournament all day. They ran out of food. Like if I'm, if I'm like that, I get a little bit hungry, right? And that's a problem. I get a little bit hungry and it's a long time because when you get hungry for a long time, you become what? Hangry, right? But I always eat. Like I always eat. And so don't miss this. The disciples start out. They're gone all day long. They don't have 
any time to eat. They come back, they're telling Jesus all of this stuff. Jesus says, hey, let's get away. They're all excited about that. The purpose to get away is to spend time with Jesus. And the real purpose of getting away is to spend time with Jesus and what? Eat, right? So here we go, verse 33. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. People from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Let me ask you a question. You're a disciple. You're in the boat with Jesus. You're like, finally got away from all those people, man. We're getting ready. We're going to go. We're getting on the boat. We're going to the other side. We're going to eat. We'll be all by ourselves. And then you look up, and as you near shore, people are starting to run toward the shore. You're like, no, 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 no. What do you want to do in that moment? You want to do what? You want to hide. You want to get away, right? At that point, I want to jump in the water because I don't want to see those people. And don't judge me. Don't judge me because you've done the same thing. Like how many of you, let's be honest. You're in church on a Sunday, so you can't lie. How many of you have ever been at the grocery store or at the restaurant or somewhere in public and you saw somebody, but they didn't see you and you intentionally hid? How many of you have done that? That's a lot. Or, or you ever faked a phone call? How many of you have ever faked a phone call? How many? How many of you have ever done that? Like you see somebody coming and you just pull out your phone. Oh man, hey, how you doing, man? How's the mom and them? Oh yeah. Oh, hey, good to see you. Uh, I'm on the phone. I can't talk right now. You ever been doing that and your phone rang? You're like, oh, I'm, I must admit, I must have hung up. I don't know what happened. I ever done that. You know why we do stuff like that? Because people are weird, aren't they? I was in the restroom, true story. I was in the restroom not that long ago. Man, you know the rule, right? It's a couple of rules. You don't talk to anybody. You don't look at anybody. You wash your hands and you get out, right? And you don't talk, you don't look, especially when you're standing next to somebody. I'm in there and there's a guy standing right next to me. You're Pastor Ryan, aren't you? Yeah. I got a question for you. What? You think we can get a selfie? No, freak. No, no, I mean after we're done. No, I just left. I didn't even wash my hands. Like, I broke all the rules right there. Like, it was just, people are weird. And so, at times, you just want to get away. And so, here's Jesus and the disciples. They're thinking, we're going to get away. And there's all these people. And they're like, come on, you got to be kidding me. They're bothered by this because at the end of the day, they just wanted to get away and they wanted to do What? They wanted to eat, and all these people are going to stop it. And so they start thinking, it's, it's all right. Jesus is going to put an end to this because Jesus is hungry too. Jesus has been doing all this stuff. Jesus brought us over here. Jesus brought us over here for the purpose of rest, for the purpose of eating. And, and, and so Jesus is just going to stop it. But then Jesus switches tactics on them. And look at this, verse 34. Jesus saw the crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had, what's that next word? compassion. Jesus had compassion. Isn't it funny? We always want Jesus to have compassion on us, but we don't want Jesus to have compassion on people who are different than us. Like, like we always want Jesus to have compassion on us, but not other people. And, and right here, Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things, which meant his teaching went on for a really long time. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. 
I don't know if you've ever had a job evaluation where they ask you your strengths and weaknesses. Well, now we can't say weaknesses because that's not politically correct. We say opportunities for improvement, right? And so if God were to give me a job evaluation, my top opportunity for improvement would be in the area of compassion. It, it would. That's the, that's the one that I've been working on. He's been working on with me the most. Going back to the word broken. Like, it, it's funny it's funny how you get more compassionate towards other people who have been broken after you have been broken. Like, like beforehand, you find yourself being incredibly judgmental. Listen, I'll tell you something about a judgmental person. They've never been broken. A judgment, they've never literally been broken. And so I'm just saying, God has a way of, of bringing this kind of stuff out of us and, and working on us. And isn't it funny how, how, how we want God to have compassion on us, but we're quick to be judgmental towards others. And so God has been, has been working on this in my life. And, and I don't like it, but he's been increasing my compassion level. Has God ever done something in your, in your life like that you needed, but you don't like? Say yes. Yes. And so a while back, um, a guy came up. He doesn't come to church here, but he came up to me and, and he was like, hey, man, I got a question for you. Um, my wife, it wasn't, wasn't the bathroom guy. Um, <laughs> he's like, I got a question for you. Um, my wife and I, had a baby about a year ago. He said, we struggled to get pregnant for a really, really, really long time. We couldn't get pregnant. And so we finally did the fertility thing and she got pregnant and we had this baby and it's just been the, the, the greatest miracle in our lives. And it's just been absolutely awesome and phenomenal. And then he said, but now my wife's family won't talk to us. Like they just completely cut us out. And I said, why? And, and he got kind of like emotionally upset. And he said, because they said the birth of the baby wasn't natural. Now, I've got a strong opinion on this. I'm not really going to get into it um, today. You don't have to agree with me. Um, that's cool. But, but he said, he said, what would you do? Like, what do, what do I say? Like, like how, how do I respond to this? And I just simply said, they're idiots. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> that's not being very compassionate, pastor. Um, I wasn't trying to show compassion to his in-laws at that moment. I was trying to show compassion to him, right? And so he's kind of like, yeah, you're right, but I just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's going through this whole thing. And, and I'm like, why? Like, why don't they accept the birth of their grandchild? Like, what's the problem? And again, he's like, well, it's not natural. They keep saying it's not natural. They keep telling us it's not natural and we're not Christians and it's not natural. I said, all right, tell them if they don't want to be a hypocrite to get rid of their air conditioner to the summer. Because air conditioner, not natural, right? Tell them to stop driving a car because cars aren't natural. They're on blood pressure medicine. Tell them to stop taking blood pressure medicine because their blood pressure medicine isn't natural. While you're at it, go home and hug that little baby because he is a gift from God. He's a blessing from the Lord, right? And, and, and he walked away and God was like, you know what, Ryan, that wasn't about him. That was, that was about you showing compassion. It's about you having compassion. And, and really God's going to work things in our lives where the thing that he's trying to get in us and through us and out of us, he's going to work. And so when we talk about compassion, how about you? What's your compassion level? What is it? Because the things we need, God is going to be working on. With me, it's compassion. And he's working also in the story on the compassion of the disciples. Because in this story, they started out, they were what? They were hungry, right? They're all hungry. And he's talking to all these people. And then in verse 35, it says this, late in the afternoon. They've been waiting all day. All, they had already come out. They had already been hungry. Jesus said, hey, let's go. 
And now it's later in the day after Jesus had been teaching, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and we've already missed the lunch special at Board Narrows. And it's, oh, you really did do that disservice. That's funny. <laughs> That'll make no sense to people on the internet or Creston, but we love it. This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they could go to the nearby farms and villages to buy something to eat. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Listen, don't miss this. This is what we get out of this, this passage this text right here. If we're not careful, we will send the people that Jesus has called us to reach away and disguise it as concern for those same people. If we're not careful, we'll send the people away that Jesus has called us to reach and disguise it as concern for those same people. Just concern for you. Because think about this. Jesus is there to reach people. The, 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 the apostles are trying to send the people away. And they use the people as an excuse. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hey man, we're hungry. We, we, we've got this purpose. We're supposed to rest. We've got to do all this stuff. Hey, just send them away so we can eat. Like we, we want to eat. Just, just send them away so they can go by. Cause Jesus, surely they're hungry too. And so send them into the farm, send them into villages so they can go buy some food. And they're making up these excuses. And we've all done that. We've all made up excuses, right? Let's go back to the baby illustration for a second. If you got a baby, if you got a baby like two years or younger, you could pull this off. You could do anything in the world and blame it on the baby and people accept it, right? For example, you could be in a crowded room and you just want to leave. You just want to get away from the people. Hey man, I got to get this baby home. And everyone's like, cool. Yeah, we understand. Nobody pushes back. If it's you all by yourself, hey man, I got to go. No, you don't. What you got to do? I don't know, go take a selfie with somebody. I don't know, like I, I just gotta, I gotta go, right? You got a baby free ticket, right? Baby, you could do anything. You buy a brand new car. Did you buy a brand new car? Yeah, why? Safety for the baby. Baby gotta be safe. Oh yeah, maybe I gotta get one of those too. You buy a brand new house? Yep, bought a brand new house. Why'd you buy a brand new house? Baby needs a safe place, right? You can pull up anything. I can't do that anymore. I try to pull it off of my dogs. Hey, you gotta go. I gotta go. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. What you gotta do? I gotta go feed my dog. No, no, you don't, right? But, but baby, like we, we've all done this. We've all blamed things on other people. We've blamed things on our pets or whatever. And, and that's what the disciples are doing. They're kind of saying, Jesus, you know, we're concerned for the people. We're concerned for their well-being. Jesus, let's just send them out. We need to send them away so they could take care of the, themselves. And you know what? You know what's really sad? The church world has become like that. Just concerned for you, brother. Just concerned for you, sister. I'm so concerned about your addiction that you don't need to attend here anymore. I'm so concerned about your anxiety. You probably shouldn't show up here anymore. I'm so concerned that you got divorced. This probably isn't the right church for you. I'm so concerned about the baby that you had when you weren't married. You don't need to come here anymore. Listen, we're just doing it because we're concerned for you. You ever seen that? I mean, good Lord, that's not what it's supposed to be, but that's what it's becoming. We see it so often in the church world, and something has to change, yes or no? Yeah. How about compassion? How about we choose compassion over concern? How about, how about what, what, what would it be like if we were known as a people that were compassionate towards other people? See, they're trying to send people away. 
but they're the ones who are hungry. Now, I love Jesus' response, verse 37. Jesus said, you feed them. Now, now, can you imagine the disciples? Scholars um, estimate that there are anywhere between fifteen and 20,000 people. Fifteen to 20,000 people. And Jesus says, hey, you feed them. And I love their answer. I love it. With what? With what? With what, Jesus? Isn't that a great answer? With what? Somebody was telling me the other day, you know, you talk about the Hellcat a lot. You must really want one. I said, I do more than anything. He said, you need to go get one then. I said, with what? See, like what? How am I supposed to go get a Hellcat? Last time I went and looked at them, they wanted money. And I don't have a lot of that. With what? Like that's a legitimate question, isn't it? With what? You feed them. With what, Jesus? King, Savior, Messiah. We don't have anything. Look what they said. We'd have to work for months to earn money to buy food for all these people. These people. Put them in a category. Put them in a group. These, we'd have to work for a long time to get enough money to buy food for all these people. But don't miss this. Jesus was speaking potential into his disciples. Jesus said, you feed them. Jesus knew the disciples couldn't do anything on their own. But he knew with him, with him, the disciples were able to do the impossible. And so when Jesus said, you feed them, he was speaking potential into their lives. That's why I believe connecting with God through scripture or through worship or through church is always going to be a good thing. Because if we'll listen to him, God isn't speaking condemnation. He's speaking potential into our lives. Because think about this. At first, the disciples are, are looking at this and they're saying, there's no way we can feed these people. So no way we could feed these people. Jesus, there's no way we could do this. And Jesus is saying, exactly. There's no way you could do it. But if you'll get on board with me, we can get this thing done. And I believe that is what Jesus wants to do with each and every one of us. Get us on board with him and watch him do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Because at the end of the day, Isaiah 55 says, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And as we get on board with him, this is what I believe. I believe that he believes in you so much that he will tell you to do something that at first glance you think is impossible. But with him, wow, it will absolutely blow your mind. With what? With what? With what? Jesus, how am I supposed to do that? With what? With what? How are we supposed to buy food? With what? And I love this. Verse 38. How much bread do you have? <laughs> I think that's a crazy question. It's like, none, Jesus. Because we're hungry. And if we would have had bread, we would have already ate it on the boat because we're starving. It's been all day. We would have been sneaking it while you were teaching all of those things. Like we keep getting up and going out and getting a donut or whatever, man. It would have been all gone. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And we know from other accounts it wasn't even theirs. They got it from a little boy. Now, here's what doesn't get talked about a whole lot. And don't miss this. They didn't even have enough food to feed themselves. When they go back and they said, we, we have five loaves, and two, five loaves of bread and two fish. They're, they're, they're disappointed because they're hungry. Like there's 13 grown men, 12, 12 disciples and Jesus. And they don't even have enough food to feed themselves. And so they come to Jesus and they're like, all we got, all we got is five loaves and two fish, man. 
That's it. And in another account, they ask the question, how far is this going to go among so many? And, and, and it's, it's inward. They're not thinking about everybody outside of them. They're, they're, they're asking Jesus, how far is this going to go amongst us? Like it's five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus. We're, we're starving, man. Like what, what is this going to be? In other words, this is what they're saying. Jesus, we don't have enough. We don't have enough for ourselves. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. Now, we talked about this last week, and I want to mention it again because I keep seeing and hearing this over and over and over again. There are people in this room that you think that when it comes to living for Jesus that you're not enough. And it's because you're comparing yourselves to other people. And so you think you don't have enough. There's no way you could ever be enough. But in Christ, anything that we have, listen to me, anything we have is enough. You are enough right now as you are. You are enough. Listen to me. You might not have what you want. You might not have what they have. You might not have what you used to have, but you've got exactly what God wants you to have. And that is enough for him to do a miracle in you that will absolutely blow your mind. If you don't hear anything else I hear to I say today, you need to hear this and you need to walk out of the doors with this thought. Right now, you are enough. Right now, you are enough because Jesus in you is everything you will ever need. Amen? So they tell him, you know what? Man, five loaves and two fish. Jesus, we don't have enough. Now here's what's crazy because I said brokenness leads to blessing. And I don't know about you, but, but I like instant gratification. And anybody else? Like, I, I love to pray, okay, God, give me a Hellcat in Jesus' name. Pastor Ryan, I'd love to buy you a Hellcat. Woo! That's a blessing, right? Any chance that's happening right now? God, heal me in Jesus' name. Woo! I'm instant, like, I like that, right? Don't you? Instant gratification. But you know, God doesn't usually work like that. Watch this. I, I don't like this, but it's true, so I got to teach on it. Verse 39. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. There are an estimated 20,000 people here. And they sat down in groups of 50 to 100. Can you see this happening? Can you see this? Peter goes out and he's like, all right, we'll feed you, but I've got to put you in groups. One, two, three, four, five. Six, stop, stop, stand still. Just stand still. Stop moving. One, two, three, four, seven. Stop talking. I'm trying to count. 17, 18, 43, 45, 47, 50. All right, you 50. Stop. No, you cannot be in this group. I'll put you in the next group. You can sit right down next to them. I promise. Can you see this happening? What's going on here is a process. That's what's happening. It's a process. Jesus is enough. And Jesus is going to take us from where we are to where we need to be. But it's a process. He's going to take us from brokenness to blessing. But it's a process. And you need to understand that he works in processes. Think about this. Even as he was paying for the sins of the world, there was a process. Because there was the cross. And then there was Saturday where everything seemed silent. But then there was Sunday. And on Sunday, everything changed. It was a process. And so you might not be where you thought you would be. Or you might not be where you think you need to be. But you know what? You're in a process. Because there's a process from moving from broken to blessed. And you don't need to give up. 
Don't give up. Just understand that God has you in a process. And, and, and you might be in a process because he's arranging things in your life. He's arranging things. One, two, three, four. He's arranging things so the blessing can actually be distributed in order. Isn't that good? Here we go. Watch this. And this is crazy. Jesus took the five loaves because, because he'll take what you give him. He'll take what you give him. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And Jesus is like, just give it to me. Jesus, I don't have enough. Doesn't matter. Just give me what you got. I don't have enough. It doesn't matter. Just give me what you got. Jesus, all I got is this pain. That's cool. Give me that pain. Jesus, all I got is this addiction. That's fine. Give me that addiction. All I got is some confusion. I'll take that confusion. All I've got is hurt and doubt. Okay, give me that too. Just give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. I can use it. Five loaves. And two fish. How far is that going to go? 20,000 people. How far is that going to go? Far, Jesus. No matter. So give it to me. Just give me what you got. Give me what you got. Look at this. He looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces. What did he have to do with the loaves? He had to what? Break them. That's huge. Had to break them. Breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone. They all ate as much as they wanted. So don't miss this. They took what they had. They put it in the hands of Jesus. And it winds up being more than enough. But again, it was a process. Because there's always going to be a process. Now the Bible says that he took. He took the five loaves. He took the five loaves. He took the, everyone say took. He took, he took, he took. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. Give me what you got. I'll take that. And then he blessed it. And then he broke it. And then he gave it. That's amazing. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. That's the process. It can't be multiplied until it's broken. But after it's broken, it's more than enough, and it goes further than we could ever imagine. That is amazing. Jesus took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. He took it, he broke it, he blessed it, and he gave it. And if we think about it, that's what he did all through Scripture. He took Abraham from the land of Ur, and he blessed him with a promise. But then he broke him by helping him understand it was in God's time, not Abraham's time. Then he gave him a son, Isaac, who became Jacob, that eventually turned into the promise that God had promised. He took Joseph from amongst his brothers, and he blessed him with a dream. And then he broke him in prison, but then he gave him the Pharaoh, and he became second in command of all of Egypt. He took David from the sheep pen and he blessed him with an anointing. Then he broke him when he was on the run from Saul. But then he gave him the kingdom of Israel. He took Peter from the shores of Galilee and he blessed him with an invitation. But then he broke him on the night that he betrayed Jesus. And then he blessed him by letting him preach on the day of Pentecost to thousands. I don't know about you, but he took me from sin. And he blessed me further than I ever deserved. And then he broke me. In ways I could have never imagined so he could bless me even more. Wednesday night, I was pulling out of the parking lot. and It was ice cold. And it had been a long, stressful day. A bunch of stuff was happening and things are going on behind the scenes. And it was just like, just, just hectic, just stressed out. Just I just want to go home. 
just want to get home. I just want to eat. I just want to, I just want to go to bed. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to try it all over again. When I, I looked over in the corner over here as I was pulling out and, and saw the sunset. I don't know if you've ever been out here in the evening time and you've seen the sunset, but sometimes they are just incredible. Sometimes the sun is sitting through the clouds and it looks like mountains, and sometimes it's just absolutely breathtaking. And I was reminded in that moment of this message that brokenness leads to blessing. Because a little over 10 years ago, I don't, many of you don't know this, um, but I didn't know if I'd ever work in ministry again. Um, I don't know if I ever wanted to. I don't know if anybody would ever want me to work in ministry again. I was at a low point. I had left a position that I absolutely loved. Um, I, I lost friends that I thought would be around for, for a lifetime. I was completely broken. And, and that's a long story, and it's another story for an, another time. But that night, I'm, I'm pulling out, I'm looking at the sunset, and, and I just kind of catch a glimpse in, in my side mirror of the church building. I just pulled over next to the rock out front there. And you ever have something like a moment that comes into your into your mind and, and it just like kind of flashes everything. And you just kind of think of everything. And, and, and I kind of flash back to that moment, that moment where I, I felt at the, the lowest of the low or all that stuff that had happened where I was completely broken. And I just looked out and I looked back and I thank God for breaking me back then so that I could experience the blessings that I have today. And I'm telling you, church, if he's done it for me, he'll do it for you because that's the kind of God that we have. That's the kind of God that we serve. And listen to me, we need to get on board with, with saying, with, with praying, God, take me, and bless me and break me and give me more of you. God, take me and bless me and break me and give me more of you. God, take me and bless me and break me and give me more of you. Take me, bless me break me and give me more of you, Jesus, because I, I believe in you, Jesus. If I'm not dead, you're not done. And the best is yet to come. Make me gracefully broken.